us. And we thank you for the blessing that they will be to us as a church family. Amen. Amen. Well, that said, move on. Um, so I was going to say that I didn't have long today, but it looks like I've got about the perfect amount of time. I was trying to uh, tailor my talk today to 10 minutes, and when I went through it last night, I realised it was 18 minutes at least, and it's 12 minutes past 10, so I should finish, hopefully on time. Thanks, God. Uh, divine providence. Um, so we're in a series on Hebrews at the moment, and today we're going to be in uh, chapter 3 of Hebrews. As I was planning today, obviously knowing that Jazz and Tim were going to be here, um, and also just looking at the point that we are in the year, so we're six months on now, almost to the day, where I stood up before the church, and I spoke, not before the church, most of you are watching at home, where I, we, we, we spoke about our vision for the next few years. We spoke about the next chapter of Gateway Church, what it looks like to be part of this church Beyond the pandemic is what I spoke about. And we're six months into the vision that we laid out then. And, and so I was saying to God, God, what do you want me to speak on today? I'm happy, Lord, if, I, if I put, we put Hebrews aside for the day, I'll, I can speak on something else. But as I started to read Hebrews chapter 3, I felt God speak to me about it for you and for us as a church. So I just want to, we're going to carry on with our series. So we're, um, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. So let's read it, shall we, together. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Holy partners in a heavenly calling, consider that Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Yet Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that would be spoken later. Christ, however, was faithful over God's house as a And we are his house if we hold firm the confidence and the pride that belong to hope. So here's our reading for today. And it builds upon the ideas that we've encountered in the chapters of Hebrews. So as I said, as I started this series two weeks ago, we, I said that um, Hebrews is all about Jesus. It's about the authority and the supremacy of Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 1, it paints the picture of Jesus, the one who is greater than all the angels. He's the one who's seated on the throne, the right hand of the majesty on high, as I prayed earlier on. He's greater than the angels, writes the writer to the Hebrews. And then in chapter 2, we, we get painted this picture of Jesus, the man, the one who suffered and died for us, but also at the same time, the one who has overcome the devil. See, Jesus is also greater than the devil. Greater than the angels, he's greater than the devil. And here we find he's also greater than Moses. We say, well, that might be a bit of a contrast for us. We go, okay, angels and the devil, I kind of get that. Jesus is greater than those things, but Moses, why is that important? Well, Moses was key to... But here he just gets painted as a faithful servant. Did you notice that? He's painted as this faithful servant, but Jesus is seen as superior because he's not a faithful servant of God's. He's a faithful son. He's a faithful son. And that's really important for us to recognise. So there's the big picture. There's the context. And I'm not going to kind of do what I would do maybe a little bit more in other weeks and exegete this passage for you. But I want to use this passage to speak to us, actually, today. Because I believe there's some things in it for us as a church family. So there's some things for us corporately as a church body, and there's things for you here personally. So maybe you're not part of this church. Maybe you're looking in on us today. 
So things for us corporately. Well, look, what's the first verse say? It says this. We are holy partners in a heavenly calling. We are holy partners in a heavenly calling. You and I are holy partners in a heavenly calling. We're partners with one another and we're partners with Jesus. That's the the inference here in this text. You and I are called to be together as holy partners with a heavenly calling and we're also called to partner with Jesus. So we're we're partnering together and we're partnering with Jesus. So so what is this partnership and what is this heavenly calling that we have? It sounds a little bit extreme and a bit poncy, doesn't it? Oh, I've got a heavenly calling. Yeah? Sounds a bit daft. Well, you do have a heavenly calling. You've got a heavenly calling. We have a heavenly calling as a church family. There's three themes that come out in the New Testament if you want to walk as a Christian. Faith, hope, and love. You're called to walk faithfully in the way of Jesus. You're called to walk in love towards God and towards your fellow humans. And you're called to hope. You're called to have hope in something beyond yourself, towards a future. You're called to have hope in those things. There are three things that we're called to live for. Faith, hope, and love. And as Paul says in Corinthians, the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. That's part of our calling. But there's another part of our calling as well. And it's the Great Commission. And Jesus says in Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, the Great Commission, he tells his disciples before he ascends back up to heaven, go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. You and I are invited to take part in that calling. You have that calling over your life to be part of the Great Commission, to partner with Jesus in seeing disciples made. As Tim was saying earlier on, I spoke on this before, my heart for the church, the manifold God is being made through us, the church, as we make disciples of all nations. We have a calling upon us as a church family. And so whilst that's true of the whole worldwide church, the, as you would say, you know, in, in the, the classic, the Catholic church, that means just the global church, not the Catholic church in that sense, but the, the, the worldwide church, as, as that's true of us, it's also true of us here locally. We have a calling here locally in Ashford to live faithfully, to walk in love, to live in hope, and to see the Great Commission fulfilled in Ashford. And so as a church family, each year, we ask Jesus to give us a vision of what that looks like in the year ahead. Jesus, would you show us this year how we can fulfill the Great Commission in the year ahead amongst us? And last year I spoke about uh, the next chapter, sorry, early on this year in March, and we spoke about a few things that we want to do. And you might go, how do they fulfill the Great Commission? Putting a cafe into your building or extending the auditorium. What on earth is that about? How does that fit in with the Great Commission? Well, look, when we serve coffees to people when the cafe opens, it's less about what the coffee tastes like and it's more about them encountering Jesus. That's what we're doing it for. Okay? We're going to open a cafe in the hope and the aim that people will encounter Jesus through us. That They might smell the aroma of great coffee, but they'll also t- smell the aroma of Christ. Yeah, That was cheesy, wasn't it? Okay? <laughs> That's what we want to happen. We want to see the good news of the gospel in our building. Why are we extending the hall? Is it just so we can have a better light dance on a Sunday? Because none of you ever do. Is it so we've got more space to do that? No, of course it's not. It's so that those people in the cafe, as they encounter the love of in gospel of Jesus, have space to come in and actually join us on a Sunday. That they might actually be taught and trained not only to be disciples of Jesus, but to be disciples who go out and make other disciples. Okay, so look, we're doing these things not because we want to make our building look good, because I really don't care about that, to be honest with you. We want to see people reached for the gospel. We have a calling upon us. 
And six months in to that vision, we are on track. So end of October, start of November is now the timeline of when we're going to be opening the cafe. Hannah Kendall, who's going to be working two days a week for us, and we're going to be looking to appoint some staff and volunteers for the other days that Hannah's not working, is going to be overseeing that work for us. And so that is going to be starting very, very soon. You'll see it on the horizon. You can see there's actually a coffee machine out on the side now. It's quite exciting. Um, as I said, the building work is starting this week. The play area is going to be up and running next Sunday when we meet just to have social time. Things are happening among us. We are on track with our vision. And more than that, you know when I stood up at the start of March and I said, guys, we, we, we've worked out what we need in order to be able to afford what we want to be able to do here with the vision that God's given us. And I said it was £35,000. Well, so far, as a church family, we've given £90,000 into what we believe God is calling us to do here. And, you know, out of that money, we've not only been able to do the things that God's calling us to do, but we've given out money to other people. So the church plant that we are engaged with out in Granada in Spain with David and Kelly Bentley, we gave them £7,500, which has released Dave's time, enabled them to set up their cafe, and they're able isn't it? Yeah? Because look, we're about the Great Commission as a church family. We have a calling on us and we want to see the nations reach with the gospel of Jesus. And that happens here locally as we do the day-to-day of walking in faithfulness, walking in hope, walking in love and fulfilling the Great Commission among us. God is building his house here among us. Jazz and Tim coming to us is going to enable us to do more than we could do without them. As they come here as a family, we're going to have more gospel reach. So I'm not going to put pressure on you, Jazz. We're going to have more gospel reach than we did before because Jazz, as she just said, she loves people. Now, I'm okay about people. People are all right. (laughs) Jazz loves people. Jazz is gifted in evangelism. She's gifted. We need somebody like that here. We need that. We need that push because God's calling us to fulfill the Great Commission here amongst us. We need that push. It's no mistake that God has appointed Jazz and Tim to come and join us here at this church. Why? Because, look, we want to be a church that's all about Jesus. We want to be a church that's all about Jesus. And God is building his church here among us. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews goes on to say. He says, look, every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God's. So, yes, okay, we're building it. Okay, we're paying some builders to come in and do it. I did the tiling out there. It's not great, okay? But we are building, we're doing it. But ultimately, we know something behind the scenes. It's not really us doing the building. It's God. Psalm 127, verse 1, said, Unless the the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless it's God who builds the house, what's the point? Is what they're saying. And that's exactly what the writer to the Hebrews is getting at here. Jesus says to Matthew, uh, sorry, to Peter in Matthew, Matthew 16, as as, um, uh, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, Jesus calls him Peter, which means rock, and he says, on you, the church is going to be built. I will build my church, says Jesus. Jesus builds the church, okay? We're not about trying to build a big ministry here. Gateway will not survive for eternity. It won't. There will be a day where Gateway shuts its doors. But do you know what? We are called to, uh, we're called to the kingdom, and we're called to the great commission of making disciples of all nations. We are not trying to build a big international ministry, a Gateway church. I certainly know that I'm not going to ever have an international ministry. I'm not, I don't care about that anyway. We don't care about that as staff. We just want to see people touched with the gospel of Jesus. We want to see lives transformed as Jesus transforms lives. You see, God is building his church among us. And we want to be a church that's all about Jesus. You see, the thing is, is you can actually have churches that aren't all about Jesus. 
They might be all about their building. See, we, we, we could be in danger. You could get in danger of that here. We could become all about our building. Or they could be all about the ministries that they run or the social action that they do or their preaching series. You know, you can be all about preaching and not be all about Jesus. You can be all about worship and not be all about Jesus as well. You can have churches like that, churches that are all about money or all about the, the, the leader's gifting. We're not about that. We're about Jesus. We want to see Jesus transform lives as we meet together. We want to be all about him. If you want to be all about something else, go somewhere else. Because we want to be all about Jesus. So that's for us corporately. Look, in the, in, the, in the next 12 months, as we see this vision realized amongst us, as we see things happen, know that it's for this. It's all about him. But these verses, they also speak to us personally as well. They speak to us personally. Do you know God's got a calling for you as an individual? Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. There's a calling on you as an individual. God's called you out of darkness and into light. It says that from the, before the very foundation of the world, he knew you. Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says to them that, 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 that you were created to do good works in Christ. You have a calling on your life. There's a calling on you as an individual. Maybe you don't believe that today. Maybe that's something you need to hear as I say it to you. You're discounting yourself even as I say that to you. I don't have a calling. What are you talking about? You have a calling on your life. As in God. The elephant in the room for all of us still is COVID. We can all, there are, I know there are some people who want to pretend like it never happened and just go back to how things used to be. But God's allowed this to happen and, and he's taught us things through it that we might understand what it looks like to walk in faithfulness. Okay, so COVID has caused weariness to us. I know for some of us, we feel weary now. Maybe you're feeling weary, me even mentioning the word. Oh, he's talking about COVID again. Ugh, it's weary. Oh, here we go again. It has caused anxiety. It's caused fear in some of us. It's caused isolation, pain, and loss. For some of us, the loss is people that we know who have died from it. For others of us, like me, it's nine months and never getting it back again properly. So I can't smell... It's, good. it's actually kind of works out because I can't smell things like poo. So when the, when the kids, like, do, you know... Anyway, when... <laughs> when I'm having to clean the toilet out... Because the other week we got home and realised that the... Um, I've really di I'm digressing. The other week we, we, we got home and we realised that the, the, the waste on the toilet was broken and there was, like... Anyway, there was stuff coming out all over the floor, but I couldn't smell it. So I was the perfect person to fix it. But it is... A, Look, we've all suffered loss. My loss is kind of funny. But for some of us, actually, our loss has been really difficult. Maybe we've lost a job. Maybe we've lost friends over this. COVID has caused that to us. And there's a sense in which we could kind of go, well, let's give, I'm going to give up. I'll give up then. But the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging a group of Christians who are increasingly encountering persecution that's far worse than COVID. And they're saying to them, don't give up. Stand firm. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. That's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying in these verses. Consider the faithfulness of Jesus. Consider his faithfulness. You see, the thing is about Jesus is that he experienced, as Lecky said last week, all of the things that you and I experienced. Did you know he experienced fear and anxiety? He experienced anxiety. Maybe some of you don't, you don't think that. Oh, Jesus, how could Jesus be anxious? The night before... Jesus, when Jesus was arrested, do you know what happened to him? He sweated drops of blood. Why? He was anxious. He was about to go to the cross. He says to, to God, God, if you can take this cup away from me, 
But yet he goes through with it because he knows that he needs to remain faithful to what God's told him to do. As the father, he's, he remains faithful. The son remains faithful to the father's will. Jesus experienced anxiety, experienced fear. He experienced abandonment, isolation, loneliness, loss, pain, hurt. He experienced those things. So that you and I can call him our, our high priest. We can call him our faithful friend. He's the one who's demonstrated faithfulness for us. Consider him who suffered all of those things for you and I. Consider him, writes the writer to the Hebrews. Consider him so that as you walk through life, as he goes on to say, or they go on to say in chapter 12, consider him who suffered such opposition, opposition at the hands of sinful men so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Consider the faithful one who walks in faithfulness so you don't grow weary and lose heart. Maybe you're feeling anxious today. Maybe you're even sitting here in this room going, I really hate being around this many people. Yeah, maybe that's where you're at today. Consider the faithfulness of Jesus. So as we land this, let me just say this to you. Um, Ephesians 4, chapter 1. Sorry, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, as a prisoner, I urge you, I urge you as a prisoner for Christ Jesus to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Now, I'm not a prisoner. Sometimes I feel like one. Sometimes I think we all feel like one. I'm not a prisoner. I'm urging you as a friend. And maybe I don't know you, well, then I'm just urging you as a fellow uh, brother in Christ, if you're a Christian. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. I urge you to do it. What am I saying? I'm urging you... To do what the writer to the Hebrew says in chapter 12. Throw off everything that hinders you. Throw off any sin that you've got in your life. We spoke about this earlier on in the meeting. Throw off old ways and old patterns of behaviour and set your mind on Jesus. Throw off ways of behaving that do not align to him and set your focus on Jesus. Consider him who is faithful and be faithful like Jesus. Life with regret because you didn't follow Jesus with your whole heart. Make Jesus your number one priority. Make him your all in all. Look, I give everything for him. I've said this before. I do. I give everything for him. Jazz and Tim are doing that down here. They're literally moving their whole lives because they consider the call of Jesus worth it. Is the call of Jesus worth it for you? Are you considering Jesus? Are you walking in faithfulness? Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. How do you do that? Well, um... There's, there's a speaker and church leader called Matt Chandler, and he, he says that when you do that, you need to stir up your affection for Jesus. Do the things that stir up your affection for Jesus. Whether that's praying regularly, worshipping regularly, reading your Bible regularly, all of those things are great, you should do them. Spending time with other Christians, do the things that stir your affections for him. And don't do the things that distract you from Jesus. Maybe that's for you, is going to bed late. I don't know what it is. Do the things that... Don't do the things that distract you from knowing Jesus. Stir up your affection for Jesus. Stir up your affection for him. Um, just this morning, Danny, we, 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 have, a, we have a WhatsApp chat uh, as an elders team, and Danny uh, emailed uh, Richard and I this morning. And Danny's prophetic. He's got a prophetic gift. And that means he hears from God today. That's what the prophetic gift is. Okay, you see it in the New Testament. And Danny said this, I believe Jesus wants to meet some people this morning and wants to break them free from the stocks and pillories, and for some of their yokes of burden they have been carrying alone and are struggling through life as a consequence. 
a struggle he never purposed or intended them for to carry, to carry alone. Now, stocks and pillories were used in medieval times to bind the feet of, or hands and the heads of those who committed minor offences. The stocks and pillories were a place where a person was publicly humiliated. The enemy has held some people captive and stopped you walking free. He is constantly reminding you of some sin and something you are ashamed of. You can hear his ridicule in your thoughts and ears, and it's, it's, you feel your life is bombarded by his accusations. You feel like you're drowning in shame. Your feet and hands and head are bound, and you're not walking the life Jesus intended for you all along. Jesus wants to come alongside and burst the bond that entraps you. He's striking the lock. He stands before your accuser with his sword drawn and declares you are his precious child. You are a son or a daughter of the royalty, and the enemy has no right over you. Jesus wants you to know that he sets you free. You see, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So come with repentance before his throne of grace and receive the mercy that freely flows. He wants you to come and be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come and walk free with him today. For others, they've been carrying a yoke or a burden that he never intended for you to carry alone. He wants to come and burst that yoke off of you and give you a yoke united with him. He wants you to walk with him and give you rest for your soul. And the burden you carry him with him will always be light. Consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him scorned the cross, enduring its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider Jesus today. Maybe you're feeling like Danny's prophecy. Maybe you feel bound by the heaviness of sin in your life. Consider Jesus. He sets you free from sin. Maybe today you need to walk free from that, but also maybe today you just need to say, Jesus, I'm fully in. I'm fully in. I'm fully in for the calling you have for me, for the calling over this church community. I'm fully in on it. I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in faithfulness. I want to walk in hope and love. Amen? So I'm just going to invite you. In fact, I'm going to invite us all to stand. And I'm going to pray for us as we finish. Jesus, I know that I've been unfaithful to your way. And Jesus, I know that there are points in my life where I've walked with unfaithfulness. And I know that's true of all of us here. Jesus, we thank you that you're not only a faithful son, but you're our faithful brother, the one who's faithful for us. Jesus, we thank you that you suffered the cross. Jesus, we thank you that you have now ascended on high. And Jesus, I pray that anybody here today who is caught in sin or captivity or caught in the shame of something that they've done, I pray right now that they experience the release that comes from you and you alone. Jesus, I pray, Lord God, right now, Lord God, that you would break the yoke of oppression off of people in this room where they feel that they've been bound by the enemy into lies and ways of thinking, whether that's anxiety, fear or shame. Jesus, I pray you break it off of them right now. Jesus, I thank you where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus, I thank you that we can consider you. You are the one who is faithful. We consider you and we have hope and we don't grow weary and lose heart because we remember you, Jesus. And so today we just say, Jesus, we're all in. I say, Jesus, I'm all in again for you today. Where there's sin in my life, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? Lord, where there's things in my life that I know are robbing you of my affection, Lord, would you take them away that I might be solely yours and yours alone. And Lord, we pray for this church family. Lord, your kingdom here. We want to see Ashford reach with your gospel, Jesus. We want to be a people who are all about you, that as people encounter us, they encounter you, Jesus. 
As people encounter us, they encounter faith, hope, and love. Lord, we want to be a people all about you. So we pray, Jesus, make us all about you. Our affection will be ever on you. Our heart will be always on you. And we'll be walking in the freedom that you and you alone give. Amen.